When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Shakit Hislop is back. Stevie Nicholas had a fresh haircut for today's edition. Looking mighty fine as well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the Premier League, shall we? Lots to look forward to this weekend. A look at the top of the table where leaders Arsenal maintain that five-point lead. They are on the hunt for a fifth Premier League win on the trot when they take on Fulham at Craven Cottage on Sunday. Now, perhaps... It wouldn't usually be seen as a big hurdle for the Gunners, but Fulham a seventh, as you can see. Last game against Brentford aside, it's been a good run of form for them as well. Arsenal's Granit Xhaka has been talking about the pressure on his side as league leaders ahead of the game as well. He said that you can see that every team is playing different against us. They're dropping a lot. Sometimes they're pressing us as well. But this is what happens when you are top of the league. There is much more pressure than before, for sure. But in general, I think we are doing well. I think there's a good mentality in the team. Let's try to keep that. Let's welcome in Stuart Robson and Archie Rin Tut. You obviously know Archie from our Bundesliga coverage, but he's a massive Fulham fan as well. Yeah. So we're going to get his take on Fulham. But I will start with you, Stuart. Are you surprised with the side that Mikel Arteta put out in the Europa League this week, given that it was such a strong side and the fact that they're going for the Premier League title this year? Yes, I think they also want to win the Europa League. He's got to put out... They've got some good momentum at the moment. Yes, he rested one or two players that were, were, were maybe key, but I think he had to put out a good side. I think, so, think that sent the right message to the players. It sent the right message to the fans. And, uh, you know, when you bring in the likes of Jorginho in, who's had success at Chelsea and, and for, for Italy, uh, and the likes of Ryan Nelson, Zinchenko, the, the, the two players that didn't play particularly well were Turner and Kivior, but the rest of the players, I thought, had a, had a decent game. Vieira was excellent. I'm not sure he's going to play against Fulham. But I, I wasn't surprised by the team he put out. And I thought it was a, 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 good, a good enough performance from Arsenal to go and win the second leg. Stevie, you know well what it's like to be involved in a title race. Yeah. What's Marteta thinking here when it comes to the Europa League and putting a team out like this? How do you manage that? Well, I think so far he's managed it well. I like what he did in this game. Um, he put a strong side out, almost his, his full 11, uh, and went to win the game. And then you saw him taking players off at the end. I, I, I love that he's gone about it that way. And I also think that he's doing the right thing as far as trying to win this tournament. You know, you can't, you can't just switch on and off the tap of we want to win this game and we don't want to win the other game. You know, when you want to be an elite player, an elite club, an elite team, you want to win everything you play in, then you have to have a mentality. Every time you step on the field that you're going to win. And the manager has to be careful that he puts a side out that reflects that. And I think that's what he's done. He's, every time he's put a team out, regardless of resting a couple of players, it's got, we want to win this game written all over it. And so the more, you're, the more you're hitting the back of the head about winning and the mentality of winning, then the more it will happen. And so I think he's doing, so far, he's got everything right. Do you agree with Stevie there, Shaka? Yeah, I, I, I do. Though I, I do see uh, Sidney in, in the case of... of uh, Bakayo Saka, I'm surprised that he played a full 90 minutes. There, there are a couple of others as well that I, I thought, given their importance to the team over the course of the season, in, in this game, the first leg of a, of a, a 
Europa League tie, I, I didn't expect him to play 90 minutes. But Saka's a young player. He probably said to Arteta, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to play, to play 90 minutes. The other thing to that is, um, pretty soon, they haven't, Arsenal have a, a little bit of a break, an international break. They, they've got Fulham, second leg, I think Palace, and then they've got a couple of weeks off. But of course, the likes of, of Bakayo Saka, you expect, will, will feature prominently for, for England over, over, over the international break in, in, in their two games. So it really does become a little bit of a balancing act. And now, for me, I, I totally understand if Arteta made 11 changes, in, in all honesty. And much to take Stevie's point, this is still a young team trying to endure um, a level of pressure that they're not used to, a, level of, a, level, a lesser level of pressure that got the better of them last season. Um, and they don't have the type of squad that a Manchester City do. So I, I honestly thought that you'd see more rotation from Mikel Arteta. But he trusts his players to, to play this, he trusts his players to handle the pressure. Um, I, I, I don't have much of an issue with that either. Proof would be in the, in, in the eating of the pudding, though. What do you think, Archie? Let's look at the Fulham point of view on this one. Can they take advantage of the fact that it was this side playing on Thursday night? Look, I'm a calculated pessimist. I always tip <laughs> Fulham to lose against the top teams. And yet, of course, there is a bit of me that thinks that Fulham can beat Arsenal. I've seen the way that uh, the team has performed against the top team so far this season. And with the exception of a 4-0 defeat to Newcastle, 4-1 defeat to Newcastle, where Zhao Polina couldn't play because he was suspended, which is relevant to this Sunday as well. And a 3-1 defeat to West Ham, where I'd say a lot of refereeing decisions play, played a role in that game. Fulham have not lost a single game by more than one goal this season. That tells you how close they've run every team in the division. I think somebody like Kenny Tete up against Reese Nelson. I saw the way that Kenny Tete played against Mikhailo Mudrik and Raheem Sterling uh, the other week and had, had no problems in terms of one-on-one -on -one duels. That, for me, is an interesting matchup. How Fulham cope without Jao Pelinia, who is suspended, uh, with Sasha Lukic in the middle and Harrison Reed, and also Willian against a club where he didn't shine a point to prove. He already proved a point against Chelsea when he scored one of the goals in, in the win there. So, yeah, I think the question is whether he'll go with Willian and Solomon or whether he brings in Dekordova Reed to give the team a bit more balance. Manuel Solomon has scored in his last five games. Uh, he is incredible in one-on-one -on -one situations, but I'd look to somebody like Alexander Mitrovic to pick up his form a bit because he's not looked quite the same demon in front of goal or indeed having the same motivation about him that gave Liverpool so many problems on the opening day, for example. And the whole team needs to be up for this to press Arsenal and to try and get into them the way that Everton did a few weeks ago. How do you see it going, Stuart, this game? Well, I think Archie's absolutely right. I think Fulham have to try and press Arsenal and make it difficult for them. And it's a great example, the Everton game, not particularly in the, in the first half, but as they Everton tried to press high up the field, they got very tight in midfield, they were aggressive in midfield. When you're playing at home, you can be more aggressive. When you play at the Emirates at the moment, the crowd get onto the referee and it's difficult to, to be aggressive. At home, they can be. And absolutely right, Mitrovic has to be a, a threat in the air because you see Arsenal against Bournemouth, you saw Arsenal against Sporting. They didn't defend set plays particularly well and that was a real threat. And that's where Mitrovic and Tim Ream 
might cause Arsenal one or two problems. But I've seen Arsenal a lot this season. And they always believe they can win games, even when they're 2-0 down. They might be, you know, not playing particularly well. They've got that edge about them at the moment, that they've got great belief they can always come back, create chances. That's what Arsenal are doing at the moment. They're creating a lot of chances, and that's the way they're going to keep winning games. They're going to keep coming back into games. They were 2-0 down, I think, or, or down against Aston Villa. They were down in the game against Bournemouth, but they came back and won it. And they believe they can win every game, and they're playing well enough at the moment. Obviously, they did come back. We're just seeing some of the scenes from that game. Very late winner in this one. And glass half full is that this is the sign of champions, a team that can come back, turn a game around and win it and still come away with three points. If you were to go glass half empty, could you say that the signs of the season catching up with them here? No. No. Absolutely not. Listen, it, I, I, this is a team that's gone for its first Premier League title with this group of players. If anybody thinks that they're going to turn up and be half asleep because they played a Europa League game in, in midweek, you're absolutely kidding yourself. Kidding yourself. You know, I, I would suggest, had Arsenal won the league the last three years on the trot, maybe they would take their eye off the ball. Maybe they would just think they're going to turn up and win the game. But when you're going for your first title, when you're going to win the Premier League and you're at the top, it's not possible to go a place like Fulham and be half asleep and think you just got to turn up and there's nothing to suggest from the first game this season to right now that this Arsenal side doesn't turn up to play yes sometimes you just don't play as well as you normally do sometimes teams defend well against you or you get a Bournemouth that on the break all of a sudden you're 2-0 down these things happen but I'll tell you what there's one thing that's not going to happen at Fulham and Arsenal are not going to turn up and be half asleep if Fulham are at their best and Mitrovic finds his, his scoring touch, then they may be able to get something out of this game. But I'll tell you what, Fulham's vanilla, let's be honest. And Arsenal's got way too many, way too many players right now that can win this game. I'm sorry, Archie, but I don't see anything <laughs> other than Arsenal. All right, he's matching his pessimism so when it comes to Fulham. So <laughs> vanilla. That I, 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 I forget how Liverpool did against Fulham on the opening day. I forget what happened. But there oh, we sorry go. They won there we go. Sorry they won a game. Sorry about that. We didn't so win. I, 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 understand, I understand Stevie's, Stevie's uh, glass half full. Um, but to, 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 to that point, listen, I, I agree. There's no way Arsenal don't show up and don't come out, come out firing. But to be 2-0 down at home to the team rooted to the, to the bottom of the table, that is cause for concern. And as much as as much as you come back oh, and you come win, on. as much as you come oh, back, come on, course there is yourself. there is nobody else oh, in this. There is nobody else in this league. You give a two 0 lead to, <laughs> and expect to come back and win. You score in the 90th minute. Yeah. So what? I, all, all, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, this isn't all bruises and petals here that, that, that you want. You made far harder work of the team bottom of the table in a league that you already have, you have wiggle room, but you know what City can be. While I, I accept, yeah, you, you take it for what it is, I, I think if you're not careful, there's some concerns that you have to be mindful of. No response to that. <laughs> All right. Hey. Well, let's see what Shaka thinks then when it comes score. to predictions, can we? That was the I'm looking for. What's Shaka saying? Oh, Arsenal 3-1. Oh, Arsenal 3-1. There you go, Shaka. There you go. <laughs> Definitely not going to concede too early on in this one. Archie continuing with his pessimistic theme when it comes to his full. And we'll be speaking to Archie a little bit later about Bundesliga as well. But meanwhile, on the other side, 
in North London. Tottenham Hotspur will be taking on Nottingham Forest. That game is coming up on Saturday. In Antonio Conte's pre-match presser, he actually addressed Richarlison's complaints about not playing more. I watched the interview uh, of Richarlison. Yeah. He, he didn't criticize me. He said, uh, my season uh, is a shit. And it's right. Because his season is not good. Because he had a lot of injuries. He started where we lost. He had an injuries in Champions League. Then he went in a, a World Cup and uh, they missed to win the World Cup and he had another injuries, serious. He came back and uh, he stayed one month out. And then another injuries. He scored zero goal with us, only two goals in Champions League. I think that the guys was uh, uh, really honest uh, to tell uh, that his season uh, is not good. But his season, our season, has not still uh, finished, and uh, he has the time to uh, to recover. And uh, if he deserves to to play, and I'll give him the opportunity. Otherwise, uh, uh, we'll play another player. Okay, Stuart, whose side do you want here, Conte's or Richarlison's? Uh, a bit of both, really. I mean, uh, Conte saying that he's, he wasn't criticised by Richarlison and, and I don't think he actually mentioned the manager by name. But Richarlison hasn't been good enough. You know, and if I was picking a team, it'd be Harry Kane, it'd be Song, it'd be Kulisevsky. And the only way that uh, Richarlison would come into the team, if one of those was injured, but they have been on occasions, but Richarlison hasn't done well enough when he has played. He's looked a bit hit and miss. He's, he's not doesn't look as though he can understand the role that he's trying to play in. He wants to really play as a centre forward, but he ends up going, having to go wide because that's where Song plays. He has to go wide on the other side when Kulosevsky's not fit, and he hasn't really linked up with Harry Kane. So I can understand exactly why Conte hasn't played him. Most of the times he hasn't played him, it's because he's been injured. And then he went away to the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, Conte is right in what he's saying, but also Richarlison's right in saying that he, he's had a poor season and he wants to play more. Every player wants to play more, but when he does get his chance, even if he comes on as a sub, he's got to play better than he has done for Spurs at the moment. Let's just remind you what Richarlison did say after the game and how he was feeling a little bit hard done by. He said, I didn't understand. I was playing well. We won against Chelsea and West Ham and suddenly I was on the bench. I played five minutes against Wolves, asked the reason and no one told me why. They asked me to take a fitness test in the gym and told me I was going to start if I passed it. And I was on the bench. These are things I can't understand. So he was saying he was promised to start against Milan and he was on the bench. Now he did come on in the 70th minute in this game. But Stevie, is this bad management from Conte if you're told you're going to start and then you don't start the game? 100%. I mean, it's... It's about as bad as it gets for, for a player. Um, and when, when, when that happens, as a coach, you're a man down. Because you've lost him. Absolutely lost him. So that makes no sense whatsoever. And, and the fact that Spurs are basically trying to get in the top four, you need everybody you can. And when you've got a player who's capable, capable of winning games for you, you can't afford to lose them. So, for me, Richardson's 100% right that if you play well, you stay in the team. I mean, it makes no sense. What, what, what coach with any brains doesn't play a guy who's doing well? 
And if he's done well in those two games, as he said, which he did, again, another reason why you lose a player is when he's doing well and you sit him in his backside. Now you've got a guy who's scratching his head trying to figure out what's going wrong. And then on top of that, you tell him he's playing and then you don't play him. Hey, all the best. You've, lo you've lost him. You've completely lost the player. 100% bad management, no question. Can I, can I just say, Spurs just feels like the world's worst TV show. There is, there is nothing, there is nothing that gets you out of bed for Spurs in the morning. From a manager whose contract is up, he's, he's going to be moving on, no question, who has an incredibly talented team playing some awful football. They're somehow in the top four. That, that's, that's about all you can say that's positive. You've got Harry Kane, one of the best strikers in world football. Every week you ask yourself, why is, why is he still there? You've got Heung-Min Son, who was so outstanding last season and really one of the feel-good factors of Tottenham Hotspur for the last three or four years. He's been a shadow of, him for, of his former self. Um, Richarlison, who at least you could count on him to come on and kick a few people and give you something to talk about. He now arguing with the manager, who's as I just mentioned, on his way out. There is absolutely nothing about Spurs that you can say, well, they've got this part right, and in seasons to come, this is where they're going to start, this is where they, they, they're going to build on. And, and in truth, it, it just, it's, it's boring at this point. It, 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 I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Spurs fans, but there is, there is nothing about Spurs that excites me in the slightest. Stuart, were you um, having a little chuckle about what Stevie said? Well, the, the one reason that, that Richarlison said what he said also was because he knows that Conte is on his way out, so he can say what he likes against the manager. Uh, I'm not sure that I thought Richarlison played well in the two games that, that, that Stevie said he played well in. Uh, I'm not particularly a Richarlison fan. I don't think he, he's played well when I've seen him in a Tottenham shirt. The problem being, you know, every, and, and anybody that says that Conte didn't play good football at Juventus and didn't play good football when he won the title at Chelsea and didn't play good football when he was the Italian manager and didn't play good football at Inter is an absolute idiot. And, that, and I'll, I'll mean that, is an absolute idiot. So why he's playing the football he is at Spurs at the moment, I don't understand it. This isn't the football that he wants to play. He plays far more attacking football than that. When he was at Juventus, it was the best coach side I had ever, not ever seen, but seen at that particular point in Europe. They played attacking football. They pressed the ball high up the field. They did so in this, his second season with Inter. The first season at Chelsea, they played great football. I don't know what's gone wrong with Conte since he's been at Spurs, but as Chaka said, there's something not right between him, this club, the players. It's not working for them. And even though things aren't going right at Spurs right now, one thing that is going right for them is predictions when it comes to our panel here on ESPN <laughs> FC. Everybody has got Tottenham winning this game. It's Forrest. Yeah, we're going to give them some ask Forrest. Please ask, please ask me why I said Tottenham was going to win this game. Why, why is Tottenham mm. going to win this Cutting game? Cutting edge analysis. Because they've been so bad that they've got to win eventually. Because that's what they do. And that is why we pay Stevie I mean, the big bucks. But, but listen, when it comes to the top four predictions this season, nobody is going for Spurs to keep hold of that top four spot. In fact, even Stevie has come round to yeah. thinking that Liverpool can secure it now. I have, yeah. Uh-oh. Well, and, and I think it's... I think it's common sense. I don't, I don't think I'm a genius by far. It's common sense. Liverpool seem to have found some legs. And you see what happens when they've got some legs. Whereas Tottenham, you just... I mean, I'm with Xhaka. I'm, Tottenham, what are Tottenham? We don't know. All we know is 
that when it seems that they're doomed completely, all of a sudden they win a game. And it, and it sort of keeps them where they are or, or projects them forward for some strange reason. Whereas with Liverpool, it looks like they've found something other than just legs as well. And, and so you expect Liverpool to be more consistent because you can't rely on Tottenham being consistent. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about Chelsea, shall we? Not when it comes to the top four race. I think perhaps that ship has sailed. But things are on the up, at least in the last two games for Graham Potter's side. They had that win over Borussia Dortmund. And one thing that they are definitely in is the Champions League quarterfinals. Now, obviously, he needs to build on these back-to-back -back wins when they face Leicester at the weekend. But, Stuart, do you feel that they are moving in the right direction after their latest showings? Yes, they were more intense with their play, uh, both with and without the ball against Dortmund. It's great for him that he's now got Chilwell playing as the left wing back and Reese James playing as the right wing back because when they're both in the side, they're a totally different side. They've got so much dynamism going down the outside. I, th I think he's got the balance right with Havertz playing as a centre forward, uh, Jao Felix play and Sterling playing off of him. But he's now got to stick with it. He can't keep changing the side and keep changing the tactics. He's now found a bit of consistency in the last couple of games. He's found them playing the sort of football that the fans want to see. It's more high intensity than it was over the last few weeks. Cucurella had one of his best games as well against Dortmund. So I think there's just signs that they're beginning to turn things around. And it's, it's not before. It should be, really, for, uh, for Potter. Shaka, uh, on I the don't... up. I don't share the confidence that this is a Chelsea team that have turned things around. Very good performance against Dortmund, very good result, no question. But I, I just feel that this Chelsea team still lack, lacks a striker and is, as good as their build-up play can be. Um, far too often that they've relied on, on set-pieces and, and centre-backs uh, coming up. And, and so, um, while I, I think there will be some uptick or very well maybe maybe some uptick for, from Chelsea they're sitting 10th for a reason and that uptick doesn't doesn't do enough to to salvage their season domestically May, maybe they go on and, and and do as a, what was it the 2012 Chelsea team or just a poor team go and win this win that competition but I don't see that that happening either I'm I'm just not not that convinced they're still missing a vital piece of the puzzle and until they do that all their good football all the potential to good football I just feel falls flat. Things on the up for Chelsea for you, Steve? I think so. I think you've been a bit harsh, Shaka. I mean, they've got too... You look at that, those front players, they've got too much ability not, not to be better than they've been. And they've won a couple of games, and yes, they're still not quite convincing going forward. The, the, the football to get into the attacking third is, is really good. Um, nice to watch, and you, you, you just keep wishing something... Or there would be more at the end of it. But as I said, they've got too many good players going forward. They're not... They have to... They, somebody's going to get a drubbing. And, it could, and in my opinion, it could be Leicester. Because Leicester love giving goals away. And so if there was anybody you want to play, it's Leicester, to get some confidence. Because that's all this team needs. Somebody like Sterling. Sterling scored the other night. The goal was an absolute joke. It must have ricocheted 15 times. It was written in the stars that he was going to score. Now, it was a good strike to finish, but the, the fact that he actually ended up getting a strike was incredible. That's just the sort of thing that will turn his season round. Because he's been, he's been pretty woeful, and I'm absolutely with Robbo. You've got a group now, keep them together, and then let things grow. Because it looks as though they're ready to grow. 
All right, well, let's take a look at what else is coming up this weekend when it comes to Premier League action. Liverpool, back from that thrashing of Manchester United to take on bottom side Bournemouth for their part, Manchester United taking on second bottom Southampton. Man City away to Crystal Palace as well. Make sure to join us for the latest edition of Extra Time. You can do so by staying up to date on our YouTube page. The guys answer your questions every night. We always have a bit of fun in doing so. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's still tight at the top of the Bundesliga table. Bayern and Dortmund level on points and a big weekend ahead for Edin Terzic's men. The revered derby, the mother of all derbies. Big rivalry, Borussia Dortmund taking on Schalke, who are once again in danger of relegation. Archie Rintut will be pitch side for the game. Stuart Robson will be in the booth for the game. Let me start with you, though, Archie, for this one. Dortmund coming into this one after that perfect record from 2023 came to an end in that Champions League loss to Chelsea. What's been the reaction to the loss in Dortmund? Well, you wouldn't have thought that Dortmund had won their previous 10 games in all competitions because suddenly all the things that were swept aside, such as the amount of luck they were getting in games and, and now the takes taking them down have, have started to emerge, which I think is a bit harsh because they've been playing well and getting the results, which is something that has eluded them for so long. There's been criticism of Gio Reyna, uh, who had impressed when coming off the bench, but struggled when he's, he started games. And he had a big chance uh, at Stamford Bridge and, and didn't take it. But I think we need to take into account here, Dortmund don't have the same strength and depth as Bayern. And I think the injuries are really getting to them. The fact that Julian Brandt went off so early in that Chelsea game and is now out of not just this game, but the Cologne game next week. Marco Royce is a doubt for this one with a particularly heavy cold. Karim Adeyemi won't play in this, but will be an option perhaps or a theme for the next game, whatever that means, according to Edin Terzic. So particularly going forward, Borussia Dortmund have problems and I actually even think right now, Kay, that Schalke, given the form they come into this game in, 
unbeaten in six and winning their last two, I make them slight favourites. I think the momentum is with them. Oh, wow. Well, talk to us, Archie, a little bit about the Gio Reyna situation there because he's been singled out for criticism when it comes to some of the marks that the papers are giving as well. And as you just mentioned there, mm. it appears that this season, or at least in this calendar year, he's been more effective and better as a sub off the bench. He has. I think we need to remember the context of, of Gio Reyna's year, not just what happened at the World Cup with him, which is well documented, but also the string of injuries and what that would have done to his confidence last season. And I think that when he's come off the bench, he seemed a lot more focused and he's got a clarity in terms of what he needs to do and he brings the necessary urgency. And when he started games, I don't think he's quite had that same sharpness to him. He's undoubtedly got the talent. That, that's not a question. It's just, can he deliver as well as the people who have been playing in front of him have? Because I don't think, even despite those three goals that he scored off the bench, there was no injustice in the fact that he wasn't playing in the last month because simply the guys ahead of him were doing better. And his opportunity, his real opportunity to nail down a spot came at Werder Bremen a month ago, a game which I saw. He didn't really do much. He came off and the guy who replaced him, Jamie Bino Gittens, did better. And immediately, I think understandably, it's like, well, you're going to slip down the pecking order one more because Bino Gittens is a more explosive player. So Gio Reyna has a chance now. That's how he needs to be framing it. It's a huge opportunity as a Borussia Dortmund player, even more so, to have this game against Schalke. If anything, this comes at a perfect time for Dortmund. Playing against your biggest rivals, you get to forget the disappointment of the Champions League. If you win this game, it's huge. And remember, Dortmund have a 100% record in the Bundesliga in 2023, which is not to be sniffed at because, Kay, I, I remember saying, I had doubts about them making the Champions League for the next season, let alone being in this title race with Bayern. So... Big chance for Gio Reyna. He needs to step up. And when it comes to a game like this, though, Stevie, going up against a big rivalry after you have just had a Champions League exit, is this the best way to bounce back? Well, it should be. Um, you know, the best teams and the best players, when they face a setback, somehow it spurs them on. Uh, and that's what proper players do. Again, when you have injuries... Uh, and you have a lack of confidence maybe from just one game. Having, it's, it's, it sounds a little strange that they've just lost one game, but everybody's jumping on them. I, fa I find that strange that he's talking about the media getting at them. And I find it strange that Giorena's getting it as well. He said one start in six games. I mean, I guess what this shows you is that in Germany, Giorena is now not classed as a kid. His class is a proper player, and when he steps on the field, particularly when he's starting, he has to produce. So all the, all the good stuff that happens when you're young seems to have disappeared for this guy. And now, when he's on the field, he better be at it, because if he's not, he's getting stick. I think it's harsh, but you know what? Eventually... You get treated like a man and you've got to take it like a man. I, I think Farina in particular, not, not, just, not just Germany, but Dortmund. Um, 22 years old, played for Dortmund, you're, you're, you're old at this point, given, <laughs> given how, how often Dortmund bring, bring young players through. And Gio Reyna has shown exactly how good a player he is in seasons gone by. He hasn't done that this season. And in, in his defence, I don't think anybody played particularly well uh, against Chelsea. Um, but you come in for, for, for Julian Brandt, who has been one of the standout players, not just for Dortmund, but, but in the league this season, you come in that early, you have an opportunity to take a claim. 
And I just don't think that Gio Reyna played what may have been his natural game. It didn't take players on, certainly not with the kind of frequency that you'd hope. That you'd hope for somebody coming in, uh, trying to establish himself as, as a starter for Borussia Dortmund. And the, to crash out in any manner that they did after winning the first leg, of course, was disappointing. But to your question, I think this is a fantastic opportunity for them to put that result well and truly in the rearview mirror. Um, Bayern Munich play earlier in the day, albeit at home against Augsburg, which you expect them to win. But for argument's sake, let's say, hypothetically, Dortmund drop, uh, Bayern drop points. Now you have an opportunity in a rivalry to close the gap at, at, at the top with, with Bayern Munich. You do that, and the Chelsea result, the Champions League exit, is, is long forgotten. We'll see how that shapes out tomorrow morning, but I think this is, this to your question, Kate, is a perfect opportunity to bounce back from that for everybody to forget what, what happened in the week. Stuart, you covered Bayern in the Champions League this week. Do you think Dortmund can, right, like, can really be a rival for the title? We see them in the table right next to them right now. Who do you think is the better side? Uh, oh, without doubt, Bayern are still the better side. Yeah, I've seen Dortmund on several occasions and they've got some good players and they need Jude Bellingham to be at his best because I've seen him a couple of times this season where he's put in magnificent performances, the best midfield performances I've seen all season on, on a couple of occasions. So he's going to be a key player. Archie's right, they're front players. There's a lot of injury in the front areas. Julian Brandt's going to be a miss for them because he's their leading goal scorer. Haller, you know, he's going to play up front. And he's not quite at the form that he was maybe a couple, two or three years ago before he went to West Ham, but he can be a threat. At the moment, Bayern Munich uh, are a good side. You know, they're an excellent side. I think they can go that, that one stage further. They can still improve on their game. Dortmund are probably playing at their best over, over the last few weeks. And Bayern are the better team. There's no question about that. Actually, okay, what's been the reaction quickly. then? Go on, go on. Just quickly, do you know who Borussia Dortmund's top scorer is in the squad going into the game tomorrow? You tell us, Archie. Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you how the goals have been spread around that score. Oh, right. but, yeah. but there's a big feeling, isn't there, that he's going to start in this game as well. And obviously all will be revealed tomorrow. But I want to stick with Bayern, Archie, and just ask you, same question when it comes to the Champions League, as to what the reaction's been to them progressing and their win over PSG. And if that's a relief for Julian Nagelsmann as well, because we know there's always, always pressure on this man. <laughs> relief for Julian Nagelsmann, just a bit. I, I, I spoke to him in an interview after that game and he said, for some reason, everybody in the media has been talking about me. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, you know why everyone's been talking about you. The team crashed out to Villarreal last year in the quarterfinal and there was a lot of pressure on him. And you could smell that pressure. You could see it by the way that he was jumping up and down on the touchline. And the funny thing is, the thing that he wanted from his team was more patience. And eventually he got that. But yeah, uh, it, it is certainly a weight lifted off his shoulders. This result, I would even say, will should be enough to carry him through until the summer. This Bayern team that will play tomorrow, we already know there'll be changes, chances perhaps for someone like uh, Ryan Gravenberg in, in midfield, Leroy Sane, will get a chance as well. Xiao Cancelo, who Julian Nagelsmann has, I'd say, given a bit of criticism to in the press, saying that uh, when, when he plays, he's very happy. And when he doesn't, he's very much not happy. And compared him to Angelino, and uh, I think he, he didn't use the word struggle, but that was what was implied that he had with him at, at Leipzig. And 
Yeah, uh, I, I'd imagine that Cancelo will get a chance tomorrow. So, look, this is very much a satisfy the squad game as well. Bayern, I think, can afford to drop points more than Borussia Dortmund can because of the strength in their squads. And let's not forget, this was the first defeat of Bayern's season earlier in the campaign. They lost to Augsburg. And Bayern tends to lose this season when you least expect it. In the games when you think that the, the opponent might have a chance, they generally don't lose that. So this is still a dangerous fixture for Bayern, even if Augsburg maybe don't carry the same pedigree as a PSG. Well, they've definitely got pedigree in the Champions League, Stuart, when it comes to Bayern Munich. Can they win it this year? Uh, I don't think they're favourites by any means. Uh, it was a strange game against PSG because PSG for the first half created some good chances and for a period looked the better side and Bayern really didn't get their game going until they scored that first goal. But uh, Manchester City have to be favourites. Bayern Munich are a good side but I still think there's something slightly missing and that could be the manager. He was meant to be the great tactician at the moment, I think they're struggling uh, tactical in, in a tactical sense on several games. He hasn't quite changed it at the right times, but they're a good side, not quite the best in, in Europe at the moment, so I'm not sure they're going to win the Champions League. Oh, well, make sure to check out the coverage for this one. Shaka is going to be Bundesliga Shaka tomorrow for the Revia Derby. As I mentioned, <laughs> Archie will be pitch side and Stuart will be in the booth alongside Derek Ray. This is the Bundesliga schedule coming up this weekend. The big one on Saturday, Schalke against Borussia Dortmund following that game between Bayern and Augsburg. And we'll find out if Archie's right and if this is one that Schalke might just surprise a few in. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Prosecutors in Spain confirmed on Friday that they've filed corruption charges against Barcelona and the club's former president, Sandra Rossell, and Josep Maria Bartomeu for payments made to the former vice president of the refereeing committee. A statement from the prosecutors read... Through Presidents Russell and Bartomeu, Barcelona reached and maintained a strictly confidential verbal agreement with the defendant Negreira so that in his capacity as Vice President of the Refereeing Committee and in exchange for money, he would carry out actions aimed at favouring Barcelona in decision-making of the referees in the matches played by the club and thus in results of the competitions. Let's now welcome in Gemma Soler to talk more about this. Stuart Robson still with us as well. Gemma, that's a pretty damning statement. What's the reaction been in Barcelona? 
Um, well, this is a, a case that uh, was already on the news for over two weeks. It was leaked to the to the press, so we were more or less expecting that this will be happening at some point. Uh, now it's official; they have been charged uh, by the prosecutor's office. So now it's a judge uh, who needs to decide if there is enough evidence uh, for to start a case and, and go to trial. Uh, so we're uh, talking about an alleged uh, crime of corruption. Uh, between uh, Enriquez Negreira and Barcelona. This uh, case started for a tax fraud investigation. There were payments. They couldn't understand the payments. They asked Barcelona. Barcelona said um, one year ago, like a couple of months ago, that we cannot explain. We don't have a contract. And, and they started the investigation. And uh, this uh, investigation is for the years 2016 and 18. But uh, there is uh, proof of payment since 2000. And one. So this means that Barcelona have been paying the company of Enriquez Negreira for over 20 years. Um, it's a very complex case. It's very strange. People here are very surprised. There is no official explanation by Barcelona. Only brief uh, uh, words of Joan Laporta when this was exploded in, in, in the press. And he said something that this, this is just an attack because we are leading La Liga and we are in a good moment in sport. Now this is bigger than that. It's uh, it's extremely uh, bad case. It, it really looks very bad and there's no official explanation. Barcelona are doing an internal investigation. We're waiting for some kind of uh, press release, press conference, and it's not uh, happening. And uh, of course, there, there's a lot of uh, shocking, not only for, for the rivals, for the referees, that they want to defend themselves, uh, but also for the members, because Barcelona is a club owned by their members. Uh, and of course, the, this, the, the crisis of reputation for Barcelona, uh, the damaging consequences can, can be huge. Uh, now, we know Barca are not expected to face sanctions due to the elapsed time, according to Javier Tebas, but he has said, Gemma, that he could revisit that. Is that expected to happen? Yeah, there's one possibility. Uh, uh, a lot of these years are, are too old uh, for that, as you were mentioning, but now it can take another dimension. It's not only La Liga. Uh, he said uh, at the beginning that they won't do it because uh, it, it was already too old, these, uh, these alleged uh, crimes. But it, it can be UEFA. Uh, they have requested uh, information to the Spanish Football Federation uh, regarding the a case and they can study potential sanctions which could affect the, the participation of Barcelona in the UEFA competitions uh, and this this can go bigger but as I was mentioning it's it's just a, a preliminary investigation this can take up to one year uh, but uh, if they find enough evidence yeah they, the Barcelona could be facing uh, really strong consequences. Gemma, Barcelona face Athletic on Sunday. We're hearing that the Athletic fans will actually be protesting against what's happened. Yes, because rivals of Barcelona, of course, are uh, are angry. They want an explanation as well. They, they, they feel uh, that it, it, they could have been playing in an unfair uh, competition. That's why it's so 
urgent that Barcelona set some kind of uh, explanation. So they will be throwing notes uh, in blue and uh, grana in, in reddish uh, color, the colors of Barcelona in the minute 30 of that game in the cathedral in, in San Mames in a final to, to protest, to ask for uh, an explanation, an investigation and, and just to, to, to try to, to show that they are really outraged by this situation. Uh, let's take a look at the sporting side of this then, Stuart, because you're going to be on the call for this game mm. on Sunday. Lewandowski yeah. back for Barcelona. Ronald Arujo, we know, is suspended. Iñaki said he's absolutely delighted about that because he's been marked by him before and he knows he doesn't have to worry about this. But what are you expecting from this game? Well, Barcelona haven't been at their best in recent weeks, but they've won games. They weren't very good against Valencia last week because they've had injuries. Without Lewandowski, they've lost a little bit of bite. Without Pedri playing on that left-hand side or playing at the top of the midfield. They've lost that little bit of drive from midfield. It's good that they've got Gavi back in the side. They've missed Dembele. Rafinha's done OK on the, on the right-hand side and obviously scored the goal with a, a very good header last week. But, and, but they've defended quite well. But without Araujo playing, Iñaki Williams is absolutely right. It was last year where he played against Eric Garcia, who's the player that they're talking about coming back into the side, who got sent off because Iñaki Williams ran him and ran him and ran him. If I was... The, uh, Valverde, the, the, the manager of Athletic, Athletic Club, you'd keep sticking the ball in behind Eric Garcia and getting Iñaki Williams running. He hasn't been particularly good this year, Iñaki Williams. Overall, Barcelona should still have enough with Lewandowski coming back into the side. They should be good enough in midfield. But it might just be a problem for them with the uh, centre-forward running in behind Eric Garcia. Anything you'd like to add, Gemma, on what we should be looking out for in this clash? Let's, yeah, I, I mean, there's uh, a, another thing that uh, it's not only that Araujo is not going to be there, but there are there is five important players that, that are warned. If they see a yellow card, they won't be able to play the next game, which is uh, a small game, El, the big El Clásico. <laughs> so Busquets, Rafinha, Farran Torres and uh, Kessie are, are warned. So this is something to watch as well. And let's see if Lewandowski is able to start. He has just completed the second full training earlier today. Uh, let's see if he's uh, fit enough to, to start uh, and to see which version of Lewandowski is the, the beginning of the season or the, after the World Cup. OK, so that's to look ahead to this weekend in La Liga. Real Madrid will also be in action against Espanyol. No Benzema, he's out with an ankle issue, but don't get excited, Stevie, because they have said he'll be back for Wednesday's game against Liverpool. Uh, yeah, all of these games available, as always, on ESPN Plus. And as Gemma mentioned, El Clasico coming off very, very soon. Sunday, March 19th at the Camp Nou. It's Barcelona against Real Madrid, La Liga edition, because obviously there is a few Clasicos to be played lately. La Liga's second meeting between the two sides this season coming off on Plus. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. 
But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. There was a huge win for Spezia on Friday in the Serie A in their battle to avoid relegation, beating Inter 2-1, breaking a seven-game winless streak when it comes to league action as well. A couple of penalties in this game, Lukaku scoring one of them. At the top of the table, this is how things look. Inter second right now, obviously Napoli running away with it this season, but a very bad run away from home from Inter so far in the Serie A this season. Lots of uh, championship action coming up this weekend. Bristol City taking on Blackpool and Preston North End against Cardiff City. Cristiano Ronaldo storming off the field after a loss to his side's rivals. Very, very loud here. He thought he would lose that competitive edge. Now he's not playing one of the top European leagues. No need for that. That's terrible. This man is always competitive. I think that's what we're seeing. Absolutely. Very annoyed at what happened there. So Cristiano Ronaldo. Not a surprise, is it? No, of course. That's who he is, isn't he? He's a competitor. He always wants to win. Very sensible. (laughs) (laughs) Not so sensible on the latest edition of Extra Time. Watch that. It's coming up next. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Shaka is ready for this one, as is Stevie Nicholl. Stuart Robson's with us too. <laughs> Stevie's ready, got a new haircut today. <laughs> oh, looking good, Stevie. Oh, Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, it's just grown out a little bit. Yes. Yes, yes. Settled First question, Mbappe or Bellingham? Who should Madrid prioritise, especially knowing the tantrums Mbappe would come with? Stuart. Uh, well, they're both, I think, exceptional players, obviously. Uh, but Benzema, how long is he going to last? They need to have a replacement for him at some point. Mbappe, even if uh, Benzema's there, can play in the wide areas and maybe uh, you know he can do two jobs. So I would go with Mbappe to start with and maybe get Jude Bellingham the next year. All right. Stevie G and Salah recently did a video together. For the boys, which current player from your former club would you like to sit and have a chat with? Oh, have a, oh, have a chat with? Yeah, current player. And you can pick any of your former Which current player would you like to sit and have a chat with? Oh, which, which, which current, current player, player from one, of, cr- one yeah. of our former clubs? A player that's at one of your former clubs that you wouldn't mind sitting down for a chat with. Right now? Yes. Good question. I wonder if Stuart's got anyone in his mind. Uh, well, I, I tell you what, he'd like to have another chat with Harry Redknapp, who he, who he played under, because that'd be <laughs> a, a lot more money for him again, Shaka. Current you know, players, you, you... current players, Stuart. <laughs> Stop trying to upset our extra time flow here. <laughs> current, uh, players. current players. Current players at your old clubs. Yeah. A Xhaka at Arsenal would be a good one because he's turned it around from being uh, a spoiled child at times, getting himself sent off the butt of the crowd, and suddenly he's uh, the fans' favourite and put in very good performances and maybe taking Arsenal to the title. So I'd like to know how he's turned it around. Is it somebody else or is it all him? And remember Stuart's interviewing skills. It was it last summer, Stuart? Mm, easy to answer that, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, Stuart we, yeah. did a really good job. Really? Well, well, I'm Hello, not sure about that. We, th- we thought you did a great job. Have you, anyone come to mind? Yeah, but, well, 
I'm not going to. Stuart went very serious with it, didn't he? <laughs> what did you, <laughs> you want to talk about that? Well, what would you want to talk about? Ro I'll go with Robertson, Liverpool. Yeah, that'd be a good crack, have a couple of beers. Absolutely. I don't fancy sitting and having a serious conversation with Andy, to be quite honest with you. Ever. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. Ever. You're only a, a football <laughs> pundit, Stevie. You're only a football pundit. You never talk about football, do you? Call <laughs> exactly. Hold on. I'm going to walk around with a ball under my arm. What do you guess? What I do for a living? <laughs> Tandy Robertson. Hi. For a pint and a, and a oh, giggle. A pint, a bit of a, bit of a right. laugh. Hi. I got Nick Pope because I had to pick a goalie. I just feel like I have to pick a goalie. It'll be a very serious conversation, though. Ah, it looks a bit serious. Yeah, it'll be very, it'll be very yeah. serious. Yeah, Stevie, not so serious. Stevie, not so much. Why do you want to talk about football? <laughs> what well, I'll tell you what we why, why would I do that? Why, why would I talk about Why would we ever want to do that? Uh, Following Shaka's unpaid, maxed credit card story... What? What oh, did you treat uh, yourself to with your first pro paycheck? Shaka didn't pay a credit card bill once, left America, Came yep. back to America, got the bill. Yep, sure did. <laughs> mm. So what did you treat yourself to with your first pro paycheck, Stuart? Oh, I tell you what, it, it was a knocked off Burberry coat, I think. And a knocked off means I think it, it came, it fell off the back of a lorry. <laughs> <laughs> my mum my used to work in a bank and so she came home one day and said, uh, some bloke at work's offering a, a, offering a Burberry coat for about 50 quid. I said, I'll, I'll have one of those. I thought they were genuine. <laughs> well, I think it was a genuine one, but I'm not sure how he, how he got to get it. That's, that's the uh, big question. Nice. Off the back of a lorry, probably genuine. Yeah. <laughs> CV? Oh, dead easy. The first check I ever got... <laughs> I, 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 I distinctly remember going into the pub and not having to figure out how many pints I could afford. <laughs> because in the, well, it used to be a pub, I used to be on the dole. So whenever I used to go to the pub, I'd be like, right, how much have I got? How much is a pint? I go, right, that means I can have, if I slow, if I, if I go slow, <laughs> I can make it last for about three years. Were you one of those who had like your little piles of coins? <laughs> no, no, I just, every now and again, I'd be like, I've seen how much I had, I can still have another two before I have to go home. <laughs> so basically, you treat yourself to a bar. Oh, Keep them coming. I treat myself to a pint. I, I didn't have to worry about whether I was going to run out of money. Stevie was one of those ones that always walked out just as he was about, it was his round to come. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've got to go home now. <laughs> so, so, all habits die hard as well, Stewie. See, here's the thing, yeah. Robo. Back then, back then, I never got involved in any of that nonsense. I got my own. Right. I got my own. Because I knew how many I, I could afford and that was it. So I didn't get involved in that. If somebody wanted to buy me a pint, then I, I, I wouldn't knock it back. But they knew they weren't well, getting one back. back. <laughs> 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 they, could, they could tell by a little stack of coins. Well, listen, I've already got anyway, two stacks of coins that, left. for that, but I'm not buying you one back, though. <laughs> okay. But hang on. Because I've only got enough for two more. Nothing's changed, it. though, Steve. I've been out with you. Nothing's changed. <laughs> All habits die really hard. First um. pro contract. More pints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to do today. Exactly, yeah. Shaka, what did you actually pay for with yours? I bought a white guess sweater. <laughs> I remember it well. It was a brand with a little question mark. Yep. Guess by George's mm. Marciano. I still oh. remember it to this day. It was brilliant white. Big time. 
<laughs> yeah, oh, oh. Like, were you walking around like that, like, giving it all that? We are. Oh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I went <laughs> everywhere. You can <laughs> see me coming a mile off. It was right white. Okay. I know what he bought with his signing on fee when he went to West Ham. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Don't stop. We have to stop in Maserati with the top down. That's what he bought with his with his paycheck at West Ham. Don't worry about that. Massive time. Don't listen to one written on the back. Oh my goodness. Don't do not. Do not listen to Driving story. around the West End to show off. Yeah, yeah. well, the East End mainly. Shaka one. I mean, who has a number <laughs> plate? Don't, Shaka don't encourage one. Him. Hey, don't encourage him. Did, did don't you, encourage him. Did you pay for it? <laughs> I, I paid for my car, yes. Paid for the cars that I had. All right. That's all. That's all I'm saying. To the guys, what do you miss the most from your playing days? The roar of the crowd after you score a game winning goal? or make a game-winning save, or all the dressing room antics and camaraderie? Dressing room antics. I, I, that, was, that, was, that was a great part of the game. I think that, that's the part that, you, well, I, I'll speak for myself, that's the part I miss the most when, when I packed it, just that camaraderie that came with it. Stevie? I mean, never, there's no question that's brilliant. But I'll tell you what, though, when you score a goal, just that, and, and second or however long when you score lasts. when you're scoring three like, different leagues as well well four, 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 four different leagues day. that's right four. when you're yeah. scoring four USL. different leagues yes you yes be, you can't even i mean that's why you played in the first place you see for keepers it's different though so like i, I remember speaking to craig forrest who i played at west ham and, and he summed it up perfectly as a keeper it doesn't matter how good a game you're having you want the game to end because even if you're having a blinder you know one mistake everybody's going to forget all the great saves that you make. Whereas for an outfield player, if, you, if you're playing well and you score, you want the game to go all night long. For a keeper, you want to get out of there with your clean sheet and as quickly as you can. So it's totally different for wow. a keeper. So you just get on the pitch and you just want it to be over? Yes, wow. yep, pretty much. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> just blow this off, ref. <laughs> Time to go. A bit like hosting this show. Stuart? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Without that, I'm with Stevie. Scoring a goal in front of 50,000 people, the adrenaline that gives you. And by the way, I had no friends. I didn't like anybody at the football club, so I didn't have the banter in the dressing room <laughs> like Shaka did. <laughs> you could have gone for a pint with Stevie. I love that. Nobody oh, likes no, no, me. No, I didn't that would have been even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Shaka, do all goalkeepers yell at their teammates when a goal goes in? Particularly Jordan Pickford seems to be over the top with his blame. Yeah, I, I, that's something I never did. I think if you, if you make a mistake and it leads to a goal, you know, you, you don't need me to tell you. If you make a mistake and, it, you know, we manage to keep it out, and that's when I would more kind of shout about what went wrong and how to put it right. But I think once the ball hits the back of the net, you know, and, and they, nobody needs me to kind of add to that. So I, I also have a problem with keepers who just go chasing after mm. defenders when they go. I, I, I don't like that. I don't like that. Hate it. It is so annoying. Just, you've done your job. Yeah. Shut up. Running after people, trying to tell them what they should have done. It's too late. How about you talk to them before it happens and prevent it? Aye. And, that, that and there's, another, there's another thing to that, Stevie. Goalkeepers don't know what went wrong or what went right anyway. They have no idea. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. I, all yeah. I would say is when, if a goalkeeper started rushing out, just get back in your goal and save it. You know, stop yeah. all the antics. Pathetic. No, 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 know why nobody likes Dewey. Always. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I played, I played, when I first started playing, I played with one of the greatest. 
Pat Jennings. He never mm. said a word apart from goalkeepers. That's all he ever said when a cross came in. Goalkeepers, and he'd catch it. <laughs> he never moaned. He never said anything. He never gave you a yeah. well done. He just got on mm. with his job. Yeah, Clemens was the, the same. Biggest hands. Bruce. Even Bruce. Even Bruce never said anything. Oh. All right. Stuart, which player would you have loved to play with in your playing days? Uh, well, having seen Jude Bellingham in the last uh, few weeks playing for Dortmund and he put in uh, against Augsburg, probably the best midfield performance I've seen this season. I'd have loved to have played in central midfield with him. In those days, he played 4-4-2, two central midfield players. You went up and down, you worked together. He would be a magnificent ally. And, or Declan Rice. Declan Rice would play that little bit deeper and it would allow me to make more forward runs. So, yeah. Uh, Declan Rice or Jude Bellingham. Nice. Okay, who would the guys consider to be the best Premier League era rivalry of all time? Liverpool United, United Arsenal, or another? I thought. Can we go top flight rivalry? I, 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 I can't imagine. See, I've never been to a, a Tottenham Arsenal derby, for example. So I wouldn't know. How bad that is for for the opposition but going there. I think there it's or... more about the era, you know. So when it's it's over the space of time, mm. like obviously I mean, the most Liverpool recent United. being City and Liverpool. I got Liverpool, Liverpool United, United forever Liverpool United. is just you can't lose. I got Liverpool. But as long as I can remember, can't lose. I concur. But I don't think Manchester United and Liverpool. I don't think there's too many times where they've been challenging for the title at the same sort of time. Manchester United had their days, Liverpool have had their days, whereas Manchester United, Aye. Arsenal, it was backwards and forwards, they hated each other. Not, um, you know, uh, uh, Ferguson against Arsene Wenger. That was a, a rivalry for a good uh, few years where you weren't quite sure who was going to win the league. I think that's the top rivalry since the Premier League uh, has, has been introduced. All right, next question. I like this question. It's the last question as well. I'll start with you, Shaka. Who was the most honest manager you played for during your career? The manager who was candid and let you know exactly what you were doing right and doing wrong. Um, I liked playing with uh, Kenny Dalglish. I thought Kenny Dalglish was always honest with me, even when, when he dropped me for Newcastle. Um, I, I thought he was, he was honest, and, that, and that's all as a player you ask as a manager. Um, and Leo Bernaka for, for Trial Tobago, who I, another man I, I totally loved and, and, and enjoyed playing under. So those, those, one club, one international. Nice. Okay, Annie. Nice. You knew exactly where you stood every second of the day. Mm. As far as, as far as being a player and him being your manager, you were never in any shadow of doubt of where you stood, ever. That's all you can ask for. Obviously, we know Stuart's going to say Bobby Gold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, no, so I think he would be bottom of my list. I, I played under three <laughs> managers, uh, and everybody would say that Terry Neal, you couldn't always trust what he said. I mean, he's not with us anymore. But he did everything he was going to say. Right, when, I, when he came around my house at 13 years old, everything he told me that was going to happen, happened. He picked me at 17. He played me every week. He said, you know, he wrote something in his book about me. So I'm, I was very happy with him. Then Don Howe took over. I had the same relationship with him. And I had a very good relationship with John Lyle, who always spoke the truth and was, was very honest. So they were the three managers that I would say I fully trusted and liked. All right, nice stuff. That's it then. 
That's it for the latest edition of Extra Time. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. Go for a pint, Jack. You're back. Where's a pile of coins? <laughs> <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.